What a world! Welcome to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog and the boys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from writers, your humble host, Don of the Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, October 5th, 2023. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you are happy, safe, healthy, and I trust that you are petrified because we are, what, three days away from the Dallas Cowboys traveling to face the invincible, the indestructible, the undeniable, the undefeatable San Francisco 49ers. And I know that those are some big words, but I'm going to focus on that last one, undefeatable. That is true. Like, that is literally true in the current um, amalgamation of the 49ers as a football team. They have not lost a game that Brock Purdy has finished. And I know that you have heard BLG couch this a million different times on the mixtape. I mean, the one game they've lost in this, you know, tiny little era uh, was the NFC title game that he was bounced from. And while I don't know that any of us are wildly impressed with Brock Purdy specifically, which is a point that um, I will make later on in today's episode uh, in our very special interview. Um, but it's, again, to use one of the words, undeniable how great this team is. The Cowboys have been saying all week long how important this game is, how it's a measuring stick. They have talked it up. We have talked about them talking it up. It is crazy how big this game feels it's actually an incredible weekend in the world of sports if you are a texas sports fan um i know that we have a lot of international listeners and i know that we have people who root for different teams um etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you are like a team texas person on saturday you have a&m bama you have texas oklahoma you have the houston astros and the texas rangers in the alds you have then after all of that action on saturday the dallas cowboys playing perhaps the biggest regular season game in a decade when they visit the 49ers not just in general but on Sunday night football after you have the entire day to enjoy the red zone channel hang out with Scott Hanson your fantasy team's gonna crush it I know your survivor pick's gonna hit your dailies everything's gonna work out and then we will sit and sweat it out for three three and a half hours as the Cowboys hopefully go somewhere where they have not gone before it is a big week it is a big game it does not get much bigger unless you are actually in the playoffs where this team bounced ours for the last two years in a row. Okay, if it's not clear, I have a lot of passion when it comes to this. And this is, I mean, it just fits it all. It's Cowboys Niners, right? It's its epic. I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry. If you've been listening um, to me for, I guess I've been doing this... Um, I didn't mean to like, you know, dramatically slow down, like after that kind of run there. Um, but I know some of you have been, you know, listening to me and following me uh, for a while now. And, and I mean, me and my family, that means a lot to, to us. Um, but a long time ago, I did an interview with NFL films producer, director, just wonder extraordinaire, Paul Camerata. Uh, and I, I spoke to Paul about a film that NFL films did that was called A Tale of Two Cities. At the time, NFL films was doing a series called The Timeline, and they looked at different um, I guess like inflection points in NFL history and just kind of examine them, right? Like it was, you know, points across a timeline, the timeline of NFL history. And a tale of two cities was about the rivalry between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And anytime these two teams play, I think of Paul. Um, and for a little while, it lacked a little bit of juice, right? Like there were just these weird things that would happen when Dallas would meet San Francisco. Um, the Jeff Heath kicking game was against the 49ers. You may have forgotten when Dane Bailey woke up with a sore back. 
um, you know, uh, one of the, you know, greatest uh, gifts of Zeke kind of doing the little dance in the end zone. That was in San Francisco. Jason Witten had this insane one-handed just kind of catch uh, in San Francisco. Um, something I talk about a lot, the Cowboys had a, a first happen with regards to the Niners. It, three years ago, they were scheduled to play in primetime on Sunday Night Football, where they'll be this week, and had the game flexed out. Um, that had never happened before. Uh, Sunday Night Football uh, became a, an NBC product in 2006. So from 2006 until December of 2020, the Cowboys were flexed in many different times, but never flexed out. But it was a game against the 49ers. So again, I always kind of think of Paul. And then the you can't call it a rivalry because it's a one-way thing at this point, but it got relit. The bad blood, the bad temperament, whatever, obviously, with the 2021 wildcard round and the 2022 divisional round. And so it does feel like a, you know... <laughs> I mean, this isn't cool because, you know, we've experienced some really painful losses. But if you are a legacy Cowboys fan, right, like you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, you've heard my dad on lots of shows, right? Um, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, I guess those of us who, who kind of fit that mold, it kind of feels like we're going through it ourselves, right? Like it kind of feels like, um, you know, like we're walking the walk, right? We, we, you have to kind of fall to the Niners before you can rise above them. And so that's kind of the, the, the story that seems to be unfolding. And so the story aspect made me think of Paul because he's such a great storyteller in his profession. And I always think about something he, he mentioned in that interview. Uh, we talked about how kind of you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, these were two really kind of different cities, obviously, just kind of generally in Dallas and San Francisco. And then you had these two teams who just were these like kind of, you know, both, you know, gigantic titans, but it was, you know, red and gold against blue and silver, right? Like it was this just like obvious clash and it's such a great uniform matchup and all this stuff. But the thing that he said, I know I keep kind of dancing around it, is he said that there is this kind of, um, and I'm paraphrasing now. It's been, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years since I, I did that interview. Um, he said there is this like kind of theme that, that, that just kind of fits with the story that, that is sort of the original American dream, the go West young man. Um, and that's obviously a line in the, the song should have been a cowboy go West young man. Now that you've been told, uh, what is it? California's whatever. Um, and, and that's the thing, right? Like you, prosperity is out west right like gold is out west you know the future you know what stability whatever like the the land of promise the land of hope the land of glitz and glamour it is all out west you have to go out there to conquer it and that is what i hope is is happening this week i hope this is the cowboys assimilation i hope it is the the evolution that, that you know they are kind of again walking the path that the 90s cowboys walk before them and i think about um Again, I love football films, which is something I, I talked to Paul about. Um, there's a great series that NFL Films did a, a long time ago. Um, they initially launched it, I believe, in 2007. It, and they've replayed it many times in the, what, 16 years since. It was called America's Game. And each episode of America's Game is about a Super Bowl winner. So you've got, like, the 1992 Cowboys, right? You've got, like, the 2002 Bucks, right? Like, and each one's an hour long or whatever it is. And it's got people from that team, and they, they do interviews. They play highlights. They tell the story, X, Y, and Z. Um, the 1992 America's Game about the 92 Cowboys features Ken Norton Jr., Troy Aikman, and um, Blanken. Oh, Michael Irvin is the third one, goodness gracious. But Ken Norton, uh, Ken Norton Jr. had this kind of awesome – he put it this awesome way uh, when they were getting to the part of the 92 NFC Championship game. And he said, you know, like, it, 
it was we we went and bit you know it, it, he talked about how it was this big accomplishment because i mean i'm using his words he was you know we went and, and beat the big bad 49ers right like this was the team who ran the league in the 80s right and so like at the beginning of the 90s the cowboys went and slayed that dragon and and you kind of had to, somebody had to do it so somebody had to take the crown and the 90s cowboys ripped it off the head uh of the the you know 80s niners and then passed it back for one year and then took it back where it belonged and so it feels like that's the challenge that this team awaits and i would love to kind of hear the speech or whatever that mike mccarthy is going to offer because he's somebody who appreciates nfl history and obviously has acknowledged the history associated with the two teams that he's coached in the green bay packers and the dallas cowboys he has his own personal history against san francisco as a whole i talked about that in a uh, a stream i did on the br app on wednesday um it's just it's epic i mean i i can't tell you like how nervous and excited and anxious and terrified and enthralled i am by this whole entire thing and i think i've been speaking faster than normal so if you listen on like one and a half speed apologies that i made you slow down um hopefully the interview that we're about to do is a little bit more your speed or kind of general speed as uh i haven't talked about her a lot but our new little puppy honey you can hear her squeak and her toy in the background she and bear get along great it's wonderful it's super cute i know um but um actually uh bear barked during the interview that i did and i want to explain uh because it's a little bit of a different kind of dynamic slash format uh the interview is with one of my just great friends i, I can't say enough kind and wonderful and, and, you know, true things about him that, that are kind and wonderful because he is Rob Stats Guerrero. If you are uh, a listener of mine and have been for some time, you know that Rob and I used to do a show together uh, on the SB Nation NFL show with the aforementioned BLG. Honey, thank you for squeaking uh, in here. And, you know, I love talking football with Stats. I love it more than most things. And I told him this uh, on the episode, but he is the best host in the business at anything like he could host a show uh, about paint drying he could host a show about watching concrete dry he could host a show about anything he is so extraordinarily talented um, and he has a network now it's called the gold standard network where uh, he and his team his staff they cover the 49ers in great capacity it is the best place to go for san francisco 49ers content subscribe to their podcast network subscribe to their youtube channel check them out stats is the best he's everywhere on social media at stats on fire and the reason this interview or this conversation is a little bit different a little bit dynamic is um you know gold standard network listeners and viewers will see and hear it too um we recorded one conversation that we're sharing on both platforms um so it starts with him hosting and, and kind of setting things up as you know because stats is the best as mentioned um so understand that it's it's a little bit different than kind of the normal pace and and things that we kind of do around here uh the first kind of set of questions are, are him kind of getting cowboys information from me again for his listeners and then we get to the other side of the coin uh but i won't hold you back from it any longer the best Best in the business, the one and only, the legendary, the iconic Rob Stats Guerrera joins us next right here on the Ocho. What is good, everybody? Welcome to a very special joint podcast production, Gold Standard YouTube channel, Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. It is it's a big week, and I have a very big guest with me from Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. RJ, what's up? I thought we were closer than that. I thought, you know, if I had done the hosting, I would have like introduced you as my good friend, my great friend, one of my best friends, instead of like the gold standard stuff, whatever. Um, company man, I guess you are. But uh, I'm doing great other than having my feelings hurt a little bit right now. There are no friendships this week, RJ. It's Niners, Cowboys. Forget the friendships. Forget everything. This is this is war. 
You're a little bit more uh, aggressive than I am this week. I saw um, I saw one of your cute little TikToks um, where you were poking at Dak Prescott. Um, again, um, I I actually am sad for you because I know what this is like. We're coming in tails tucked. Like there's a lot of humility on this side of things. Yes. Um, so, so there isn't, you know, the like, you know, I think the the energy you crave will probably be met when the uh, the 49ers play the Eagles because I don't know if you guys know this or not but they think it's stupid that you complained that you didn't have a quarterback for the most important game of your season so yeah but them complaining about the grass in the Super Bowl is totally you know that's totally, well, totally fair well actually my favorite spin on that by the way um and I guess now that I'm on the gold standard network I have a chance to like gain some some followers here I thought it was so dumb how Eagles fans warped um, Brock Purdy getting hurt is to like a strength of their team. They were like, oh, well, that's just Kyle Shanahan's fault for trying to block Hassan Reddick with a tight end. This is a, a natural result of skill, which is not at all what the case is with regards to the field. Uh, again, the goalposts have moved all over the place here, but I'm well accustomed to that uh, when it comes to Eagles fans, given the team that I root for and support. All right. Stop trying to cozy up to me and to Niner fans. <laughs> Look, I, I, you mentioned it, so I want to start there. There is a lot of flowers being handed out by the Cowboys to the 49ers. Jerry Jones said the win would be, quote, inspiring. He he said that we're measuring ourselves by this. I mean, he has laid it out there. And I almost wonder, like, are the Cowboys going into this with the wrong approach? Are they too deferential to the 49ers? Be like, Because I feel like if the Niners get up by a couple scores in the first quarter, I feel like they're almost going to be like, well, I guess we don't measure up. I mean, there's a, a big risk. I myself have found it interesting how the Cowboys have been really frank um, about things this week uh, because the alternative approach would be, oh, it's just another game. Yeah, they beat us in the playoffs the last two years, but this one counts the, just as much the same as the Cardinals game we lost two weeks ago, whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, look, Mike McCarthy, who you love, um, has has tried to make these Cowboys in the image of this team. I mean, it, it's more than just that the Niners have ended the last two seasons for the Cowboys. It's that they've run them over. Um, after the 2021 wildcard round, uh, the Cowboys were accused of being soft um, and, and not being physical and tough enough. And you will recall um, that they blamed officials a lot. Like a lot of that came from Mike McCarthy towards the tail end of that season. Actually, when they lost to the Cardinals, remember the great Cardinals that um, only squeaked out one win against the Cowboys in December. Um, and then they got a little bit tougher. They, they got a little bit more kind of hardened. And I think last season was really impressive and they survived obviously being without Dak for five games, uh, but it still wasn't enough. And it's not just, oh man, it's the Niners or it's Kyle Shanahan. It's different defensive minds. It's different defensive players. It's not just Debo. It's Brandon Ayuk. It's George Kittle. It's not just even the talent. It's, it's sometimes bad luck. I mean, like it all goes to crap when they play this team. And they have kind of set out to win the Super Bowl, obviously, this season, much like everybody. And they know. They know that this is is the – look, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. There are other teams who have, you know, really great things and the best this or that. The best team, top to bottom, the best roster, the best offensive play caller, all of those things belong to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if you remember this. Everybody remembers how Mike McCarthy fessed up to not watching every game from 2019 in his introductory press conference. Uh, he was asked during that same press conference, like, who has impressed you the most in the season you've been out? He said, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers, obviously the 19 team. Um, I don't mean to say they look up to the Niners, but they know 
this is how this this is truly uh, quite literally in this case the gold standard. I mean, th- this is how we know we are able to prove. I think they believe they have to prove to themselves that they can hang with this team because they haven't just lost. They it has never really been a contest, despite what the scoreboard ultimately said at the end of these two playoff games. So what's different? Because uh, there's a lot of Niner fans saying Dak is still there. You guys basically have the same team. We're going to come in. It's going to be just like it has been. But we're not Cowboy fans. We don't follow the team closely, you know, nearly as close as you do, obviously. So what is different about this year's Cowboys that me as a 49er fan should be nervous about? They're a lot more efficient on offense. Um, And people will roll their eyes at that no matter what the circumstances are because they're the Cowboys, right? Like, oh, Dak, blah, blah. I mean, you know, the interceptions were all the rage last year. Dak has the fewest amount of interceptions in the NFCs. He has fewer than Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, but do you hear... Any of that talk? No. You know what I mean? And even then, his lone interception was against the Cardinals when their win probability was like 12% near the very end of the game. It was a bad throw. It was a horrible interception. But, you know, again, it wasn't like through the normal confines of a game. Um, that's his only pick of the year? That's his only one. Um, wow. And he he has taken all of the low-hanging fruit. Again, um, your uh, Mike McCarthy affection notwithstanding, this – West Coast, Texas Coast offense that they have adopted has really been productive. They've had issues in the red zone that is well documented, uh, but it is all about the low-hanging fruit. Dax dot his average depth of target, is the lowest it's ever been in his NFL career. Granted, we're only four games into the season, but because they're taking all that underneath stuff. He's getting the ball out really quickly. People are concerned because Brandon Cooks hasn't had like, you know, five 80-yard touchdowns right now, but they haven't needed that. Like, they, they just, that hasn't been their game, and they've obviously lost to the Cardinals, but their other three games were big-time blowouts where they were able to be a little bit more conservative. Um, so I would say that that's what's been different. And defensively, that's obviously the story. I mean, I this is the greatest defense I've ever seen the Dallas Cowboys have in my life. Like, and obviously, wow. well, they've been really good the last two years, obviously. But like, everything's clicking. I mean, Micah Parsons. I mean, you know this. Like, there's similar, you know, flowers you could throw at Nick Bosa. Um, like everything he does, everything he touches turns to gold. Blah blah blah. Demarcus Lawrence is having an elite season. A pretty underrated pass rusher has been for all of his career. Obviously, it was a bummer to lose Trayvon Diggs, but Deron Bland really stepped up last week, had two interceptions. He has eight interceptions through his first 21 career NFL games. The last person to have at least eight through their first 21 games was, in fact, Trayvon Diggs. Um, (laughs) So they are just really badass. Like, that's the difference. Like, they're not, like, just kind of good or surprisingly good. They are living up to expectations, which is why this game is so important to them. Let me flip that around on you because I will say this. The 49ers defense is not the same defense that they have had. It's not as good, quite frankly. But their offense is better. Their That's offense terrifying. is their offense is really good right now. It's a it's a machine. 30 points in seven straight regular season games. Nobody's done that in the NFL in a decade. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Justin Herbert, not Aaron Rodgers, not Dak Prescott. No matter what quarterback you want to pick, nobody has done that since Peyton Manning did it with the Broncos in 2013. They Even when they don't play totally well, they put up 30 points a game. That, to me, is the difference in this. I think Dallas is going to be able to move the ball a little bit more than they have in the past, but the 49ers offense is better. It, it, it's demonstrably better. I agree with you entirely. And I know there's whatever lame discourse about Brock Purdy and this and that, like who, like the weird thing is like, who cares? Like, and that's what's so frustrating about the Cowboys in this particular rivalry. Like you can't call it a rivalry right now. It's not, it's it's a one way ass kicking. Like that's all it is. <laughs> um, and actually um, I did want to contextualize something. Cause I don't know if my quote wouldn't get seen by certain Niners fans. Um, you and I were talking about this. Um, I was with your friend, Kay Adams, I guess my friend at this point um, on Tuesday, 
and I noted uh, because she was kind of talking about all the candor that, that has been, you know, happening throughout this week. And I said, look, here's the thing. Like the Niners are like the measuring stick for the Cowboys. Like they don't view the Eagles as a threat. And I wasn't speaking for any Cowboys player, but the Cowboys kind of own the Eagles, like kind of own to, you know, it being somewhat of a 500 proposition. It's better than that for them. I mean, Dak Prescott is seven and three in his last 10 games against the Eagles. So they, they don't view that as like we have to prove ourselves against them because they've done that, you know, many right. different times over. Uh, but this is different. Um, and so, yeah, like, and it would be one thing to go, oh, we slayed the mighty San Francisco defense. But to your point, I don't, that would feel a little hollow compared to the way it would have felt over the last couple of years, just because there has been some regression. But yeah, I mean, if they stifled this offense, I would really walk, you know, pretty tall on Monday just because it's different dudes. That's what I was getting at. Like it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Brock Purdy. It's now Christian McCaffrey. It didn't have to be Christian McCaffrey the first time. Sometimes it's George Kittle. Sometimes it's Debo Samuel. Sometimes it's Brandon Ayuk. Like it really does not matter. And if you take one away or you take two away, guess what? They have like 600 more of them. Like it is stupid uh, how talented they are. And it's also dumb that Dan Quinn can't like get one over on Kyle Shanahan. That's one of the weirder like plot lines of this that has kind of gone under the radar over the two playoff games. Like the fact that the Padawan has outdone the Jedi Master in the two biggest games they faced off against one another. Okay, well, that's interesting because what I've been telling people is Dan Quinn kind of has Kyle Shanahan's number. I mean, they scored 19 points in the playoff game last year, 23 points in the playoff game the year before that, and the Niners are putting 30 up on everybody else. So to me, I feel like Dan Quinn does have a little bit of a beat on Shanahan. He might. I'm a little jaded when it comes to Dan Quinn. I obviously love him, um, but you know, I have much more respect for Mike McCarthy than well, really anybody I think you would attest to. Um, <laughs> and so two weeks ago when the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals, Never mind the fact that they allowed 200 yards in the first half. The entire conversation was, what about the red zone offense? Red zone offense sucks. McCarthy sucks. Dak sucks. Like, wait a minute. Maybe Dan Quinn isn't walking on water entirely. Um, but I do think that that's he's going to have to be the guy that everyone hypes him up to be on the internet. That's what this is going to come down to. He's going to have to have Kyle Shanahan's number. And some of it is up to Dan Quinn. Some of it is up to Micah Parsons. Um, we do a roundtable, which you know. Uh, at blogging the boys every week and we talked about we kind of agreed that the player the non-dak or mccarthy person with the most pressure this week is micah micah has earned the right to talk about whatever he wants for forever really at this point but micah loves to talk about how he's the lion how he lives for big moments how he lives for big games how he wants to be this how he wants to be that okay man go do it go kick their ass like go shut down this offense that stats just hyped up if not even hyped up like just talked about objective data with <laughs> i mean like like, go do that, but it's going to be up to Micah Parsons. Stephon Gilmore has kind of been a little bit on shaky ground. Um, look, he was not traded for to be the team's premier cornerback. Obviously, the Trayvon Diggs injury changed the calculus. That's probably our biggest concern, I would say, as far as, like, influential positions or points that could be pressed upon. Uh, one of our staffers, Tony Catalina, made this point. The play-action game is so great for San Francisco. I'm terrified that Stephon Gilmore is just going to be a step slow, and that's too much for Brandon Ayuk to get him with. And that's that's really, I think, where this game is going to be won or lost. Ayuk is – I'll just put it simply. He's played three games this year. He set his career high in receiving yards twice. He's at another level right now. It's unbelievable. It three times. What a loser. Yeah. Uh, let's go through this, and I want you to be giving your first blush answer and be totally honest, and if we disagree, we disagree. The best quarterback on the field on Sunday night is who? It's Dak. I mean, like, and I don't, like, the we're, the jury is still out on Brock. Like, and I don't mean to say, like, oh, Brock is purely a beneficiary of Kyle Shanahan. I mean, like, multiple things can be true. But, like, Dak has been 
a viable top 10 quarterback for seven years at this point. Like he's the literally the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL with regards to his respective team. He's been again for the entire time flirting with top 10, sometimes top five, whatever the case may be. Uh, the sample size is still too small for Brock, but that again is not to take away from him in any capacity. If you want to give it the edge to Dak because of career longevity that I get that and I'm on board with that, but I will say this. For years with the 49ers, it has always been, hey, we've got the five best guys on the field except at quarterback. And I don't know, I don't know that that's the case right now. Whereas before, I, there was no question. Jimmy Garoppolo or Dak Prescott, Dak, like easy answer. Now, I don't know. That's the most encouraging thing to me. But if you want to say Dak, okay. The best running back on the field on Sunday. I don't, I don't know this. This is a question. Like Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. Like you, you win that argument every week. You know what I mean? So he's in the MVP kudos. conversation. He's absurd. Best receiver on the field. I think it's CD Lamb. I mean, Ayuk is great. Debo's great, but CD has really entered like a different alpha territory. The same CD Lamb who um, John Lynch once mentioned. Uh, after the 2020 NFL draft that the 49ers really, really, really wanted and coveted, although settling for Brandon Ayuk, not, you know, not exactly looking like a poor decision at this point. Well, they also could have drafted CeeDee Lamb and chose not to. Don't forget the Niners had two first-round picks that year, and they didn't take CeeDee Lamb, and they ended up taking Ayuk later. Uh, I will give it to Lamb again because of the longevity thing. I think Ayuk right now, is he's at that level, but he's only done it for three games. So I think it's fair to say CeeDee Lamb. The best... Offensive lineman on the field. You know, the best one on the Cowboys right now might be Tyler Smith. Um, he's only played two games, didn't play the first two games of the season, but he has been a baller. I mean, like absolute stone cold baller. So it's weird to say he's the best, you know, on in a group that includes Zach Martin. Um, but he's, as, I mean, as far as percentage of time he's dominated this season, although it's incredibly small, I would say it's him. But I mean, dude, I mean, again, this Trent Williams is on that team. So, like, what are we having this conversation for? I mean, you know, the best pass rusher on the field. This is probably the closest debate. Um, and shout out, um, to my horrible tweet that I had to send last year. Um, which it's not was, close. So it's Parsons. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so it was close. Like th this was a well, you and I used to have this debate. Sorry, I got a, uh, an alert on my phone. That was crazy. Uh, we used oh, to man. have this debate, you and I, uh, right? Oh, and no, I the alert. what's happening? Yeah. I don't oh, know. It's a I test. Look. It's a oh, test okay. of the National oh, Weather I saw, Service. I saw something about this. So, um, well, is it raining where you are? No, it's beautiful. In fact, it's like 80 degrees here. I would do anything to be in 80 degrees right now it's so hot <laughs> but anyway um yeah Parsons. i mean this used to be it used to be close but um so micah has been stupid great for the first two seasons of his career um this past week against new england didn't have like a sexy obvious moment that was amazing or whatever but like he is he is the best player on the cowboys like and it's there's no close second i mean like he just has that far of a gap put between him and anybody else he's the best defensive player in the nfl uh, the most influential, the most impactful, like however you want to dress it up. But that's not to say Nick Bosa sucks or anything. No, Nick Bosa, he's he's kind of uh, on the list of 49er fans. You know, he got the big contract. He held out. He's got one sack, and it came when he was unblocked against uh, the Giants. So 49er fans are saying he's got to get more sacks. But I just feel like Mar Mike Parsons does not have these dry spells. Like this is for Bosa. It's, you know, going back to the end of last year, too, in terms in terms of sacks, I'm talking Obviously, pressures and all well, that stuff is still there. 
But I think and even it's having po- one against the Giants isn't anything to like brag about right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, the Seahawks did have what ten or eleven the other night, so uh, I I agree with that. But no, I think it's Parsons, um, and that's no disrespect to Nick Bosa, but Micah is he terrifies me on the Cowboys. He's the only scary thing to me about your team that I really worry about because the entire right side of the 49ers offensive line is garbage. Spencer Burford is not good. Colton McKivitz is wor- is not good. And they're just going to stick Parsons there every single time. And I, I am scared of that for sure. I expect a lot of screens. I expect a lot of quick slants, a lot of three-step drops. And I think Brock is going to be mainly focused on the right side of the field so that he can sort of keep Parsons in his vision, so to speak. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's where Demarcus Lawrence has to step up. I mean, look, we have seen teams as great as Micah is, and that's a big concern of of, of ours. Uh, we've seen teams, I wouldn't say neutralize him, but handle him. Um, the key is run right at him. I mean, like that's and that's that's another thing. Like again, Micah's earned the right to talk, but he he has said like I hope they do that. Well, Arizona did, and <laughs> like it kind of worked out. You know what I mean? Like they kind of you know they kind of there's a little bit of proof of concept there. So. Uh, while you might be terrified, the answer might be hiding in plain sight. But again, he has to find a way to just overwhelm the Niners. Like that's the, the Cowboys are waiting on it. They're waiting on somebody to find a way to be the best player on the field against this team specifically. So I have been sort of mentioning this. I don't know how much it really matters, but I love the fact that when the Niners are preparing to play the Cardinals, the team the Cardinals had just played was the Cowboys. Because I felt like it was almost like double per the Cardinals and see what they do. But then you also get to see how the Cardinals ran so well against Micah and against the Cowboys. What happened in that game? How the hell did the Cardinals run for 200 yards? Um, I mean, they ran right at Micah. And I mean, there are dumb extenuating circumstances like the field that some people wanted to blame. I don't think we have a right after we like, you know, made fun of Eagles fans, like to the point. Uh, so like, I, I didn't blame the field. I do think there's something to the fact that, you know, the Trayvon Diggs thing had happened like 72 hours prior. I mean, that you know, again, and, and I think, you know, I think you would agree the Cardinals are a little bit spunkier than we would have thought at the beginning of the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, I think there is an effect, to, you know, when the Cowboys come to town, you know, there's a lot of eyes on you, you know, there's a lot of attention, whatever, like, again, all these are like extenuating circumstances, but the Cowboys were pretty overconfident. I mean, um, I said this um, in the K Adams clip that I talked about with you, uh, leading up to that week, 
CD Lamb was asked about being 2-0 and and how great they were and like, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, yeah, well, we can't really measure ourselves right now. We're looking forward to week five. And it was like, dude, I mean, like, that's fair, like, with regards to the Niners. But, like, you have to play two games between now and then. Um, so I think they were maybe smelling themselves a little bit after the, the first weeks of this season. And how could you not? I mean, they were doing really well. Um, so I think that they just were asleep at the wheel. And, you know, in conjunction with the fact that the Cardinals were not afraid of Micah Parsons. Like I said, they ran right at him. Josh Dobbs was not afraid of, of kind of getting out in space. And they won. I mean, they won. And, and again, like the, the loss of Diggs is is an important thing because, I mean, it was Deron Bland's first game playing full time on the outside. He obviously came into the season expecting to play in the nickel. Um, so, I mean, you have all these weird things. It was just this um, this gazpacho of crap and nobody enjoyed it. No, not. <laughs> not gazpacho gumbo Did I misuse that again gazpacho. i i always misuse this um so what is a gazpacho, gazpacho again is cold soup but it's still, gumbo okay, but it's still soup is a, yeah but gumbo is literally like a mix of any of a whole bunch of stuff then you're every talking time I, mess this, I mess this up a lot as you know but like who would what under what circumstances would you want to eat a gazpacho why would you want a cold soup well, like like describe the circumstances that would be an enjoyable thing I have no idea. I would have never tasted it and I don't ever plan on it. Uh, I don't want, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation though. And I know this is going to be on your blog of the boys, YouTube channel. So please like, what do you want to know from me? I want to know if you think it's lame or if you um, feel respected with the way the Cowboys are talking about the Niners. Cause it's, I, like I, I, I mentioned this, I, I told our guys like, if Eagles, if the Eagles were saying this about the Cowboys, which they should, but if they were, we would be laughing. Like we would be like, "Oh, this is silly!" Like, come on, guys, like get it together. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like you know, handling it the way you do with your little TikTok. Like I said, I don't like it. I think it's sort of low key genius by the Cowboys. Like, I want them to be a little like, "We got you," because I almost feel like the Niners are going to be, you know, feeling themselves going into this game. Like maybe the Niners would be a little too. Look what they're saying about us. They're they don't even think that they could beat us. Why should we take them seriously? So I, I don't love it. Although I, there's two matchups, not really matchups, but there's two areas I think have juice. I think the Micah-Bosa thing is real. I think Bosa Bosa and Micah, like they talk, right? Micah already said like, hey, I, dude, I'm coming for your defensive player of the year trophy this year. So I think Bosa, especially with the slow start he's had to the season, is going to have a little extra juice. And I do think there's juice between Ayuk and CD Lamb. Not on CD's part, more on Ayuk's part. Like, hey, I'm the guy that's been held back by our crappy quarterback play for the for my whole career, basically. Now we finally got a quarterback. I'm in uh, my quote-unquote contract year. You know, first year I can get a new deal after this season. I got a ball out. It's Sunday Night Football under the lights. I got to show everybody. So those are the two spots I think carry a little extra juice in this one. I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't. I haven't seen anybody bring this up, but what is your take on... I don't think I ever asked you because um, the playoff loss happened. It was just whatever. But the Trent Williams, everybody kind of, you know, bullying Brett Maher um, ahead of the division around matchup. Um, I'm not here to like, you know, stir the pot between Cowboys and Niners fans, but kind of not cool. Um, obviously, Brett Maher was coming off of a really rough wild card performance when Dallas beat Tampa. Um, and you can call it gamesmanship if you want, like doing everything you can to win. Uh, but, you know, it was a little felt like over the line with how they got involved with him and tried to get in his head. And then it obviously was not a great game for him. I mean, what was your thoughts on that? Do you think there will be granted Brett Maher's not on the team anymore, but like, I guess your thoughts on that in general. I didn't like it. 
I don't like kicking people when they're down. And like, I get it. It's a playoff game. You're trying to do all you can. But like, to be honest, that whole day, Trent Williams did not really comport himself in a classy way. I remember at the end of that game, he ch- he chokeslammed somebody. I forget who it was. But I mean, first of all, Trent Williams is not the dude on the 49ers that you pick a fight with if you had to pick one. Although there's a lot of guys that fall into that category. But just like the whole thing, just Trent Williams just didn't handle himself well that that day. But uh, yeah, you know, look, I like to win. I like to win with class. That's he the did the uh, he did the blowing kisses or whatever it was thing uh, at AT and T Stadium the year before. Super fine with that. Like you what? know what I mean. Like I'm all I'm cool with that. Like that's that you should do that. But like yeah, the Brit Maher thing like really was just kind of not cool. Um, I also want to know. Um, and so I, I've joked about this several times. So apologies to the gold standard listeners, but uh, blog on the voice listeners know that you hate Mike McCarthy. Uh, can you um, let us know what it is? The veg is it the vegetable? It's a it's a vegetable, right? That you've uh, compared him to often. Yes, as a head coach, I feel like Mike McCarthy is a big potato, and here's That's why. No, you said big, not baked. Just to be clear, like it, you're not specific on the 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 preparation of the potato. It, it could be any yeah. kind of potato. Okay. Well, I, I want to make sure that I because I I'm worried that people are taking this as a personal attack, and I don't mean it as as a person. I'm talking purely as a coach. If you have a potato, right? A potato on its own is not that good. In fact, it's kind of bad. That's if you a horrible. Cream, I've never heard you explain this, but like that's a horrible take. I love potatoes by themselves. But go ahead. Just a plain potato. Are you saying like no butter or no like is that what you're yes. saying? Well, that's okay. true for anything. Oh, you want plain steak? Like you know what I mean? Like you yes. can't cook it. What can't, you have to cook it? But I'm well, just okay, saying. Okay, well, like, no. Like I mean, that's you know silly. Then like you can't. You, the, the analogy is falling apart. But you can bake potato with nothing else. Just a plain baked potato is not good. You need salt, pepper, chives, sour cream, bacon, cheese, all that stuff, and then it's really good, right? If Mike McCarthy has Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard. And it's incredible system around him. Yeah, he can do pretty good. But when it's nut cutting time and it's got to come down to McCarthy and the team being buttoned up on the details, he ain't it. He never is. And we've seen it, especially in this matchup. Back-to-back years at the end of the game, Mike McCarthy did not have his team buttoned up on the details. Um, I would offer that's why he took over play calling duties. Um, Now, I've implored you to respect him even minimally which you've refused to do over the years i do not uh, <laughs> um so i waited until we were talking to tell you this i wrote about this this week uh, the cowboys are three and one and i don't mean to like find like the cutesy little whatever just to prove my point but they're three and one and something you have to remember and like look the niners have a longer super bowl draft than the cowboys all right let's just let's call a spade a spade around here all right now the cowboys haven't been to the nfc title games and all this stuff like the niners have in that time period but like you know this game's about the ultimate prize but that being said, the modern Dallas Cowboys are not a successful franchise, right? Like, we agree with this. Like, and Mike McCarthy has tried to pull them out of this rut. So the Cowboys are three and one for the third year in a row. And I think you're willing to give him a bit of a pass on the 2020 season, you know, because Dak Prescott got hurt, right? It's not a fair evaluation. So for the third year in a row, the Cowboys have won at least three of their first four games, right? The Cowboys as a franchise have not won three of their first four games three years in a row since 1985 through 1987. Like, I mean, I've told you many times they were a playoff team last year in consecutive seasons for the first time since 06 and 07. They won double-digit games in back-to-back years for the first time since 95 and 96. They won a road playoff game last year for the first time since the 1992 NFC Championship game. Shout out, of course, to Alvin Harper and 896 F-flat. That being said, like, like, again, I recognize, like, the stadium and the helmet and the logo and everything that is associated with the Cowboys, but they have been really bad. And and I'm not saying, oh, because he's better than Jason Garrett, like, give him his props, but he has really brought a, a level of football stability 
to where you can rely on this team being good year in and year out. And that is a hallmark of a very good coach in my mind. What I would say is the same thing I said to a lot of people when they would talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Everything you just cited means that Mike McCarthy is better than the people that came before him. It doesn't necessarily mean Mike McCarthy is, you know, a top 10 coach in the league. That's the difference. Sure, Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. No one was arguing that, but he needs to be a top 10 quarterback, and he wasn't, and that's what I would say. So then my question, because this comes up a lot with regards to arguing with people on the Internet, um, if it's not Mike McCarthy who's responsible for this run of Cowboys success, who is it? Like, like, and who, who is like a top five or whatever, like, and it can't just be Micah Parsons. You know what I mean? Like, like what is the top five thing that is driving them to continually be, you know, in the mix? Like, because you can't be continually in the mix just by accident. You know what I mean? Like, so if it's not Mike, if it's not the head coach, like what is, I would give it to Dak and I would give it to the Cowboys front office. There's a lot of really good players on this roster, like a lot of them. And that doesn't happen by accident. You know, so to me, that if you're asking me who gets the biggest piece of credit, that's who I would give it to. Wow. So then what would have to happen on Sunday for you to go, damn, I have to message RJ and say that Mike, this this potato on its own, rather delicious. I'd like to see them just just be buttoned up on stuff. Just be play good situational football, manage the clock well. And like nothing that's going to happen is going to totally change my opinion because it's only one game, but it would go a little far. Like even last year at the end of that game, the Cowboys players, not knowing you got to go forward when you get out of bounds for the clock to stop. Charvarius Ward knew it as soon as he tackled Schultz. He pointed to the ref that he was going backwards in the wrong direction and the ref ran the clock. The Cowboys didn't know that stuff, right? They didn't know you have to hand the ball to the official at the end of the game, that you can't spot the football themselves. And what did we hear afterwards from Dallas? Well, we practice that all the time. Well, guess what? You've been practicing it wrong. <laughs> so, like, that's what I mean. So, playing sound, being buttoned up would cause an increase of McCarthy's stock in your book. Yes. Um, who are you on the Cowboys side of things? Maybe like who's the player that you on Sunday, Sunday night, midnight, whatever it is, and you'll be in attendance, by the way. I'm very excited for you. Yes. Who who are you? Who's the guy that you're like, you know what? Presuming a, a Cowboys win, that you'll be like, damn, like, how did we not see this? Like this dude was hiding in plain sight. We didn't even talk about him. We didn't, like who who's the guy that you uh, Bear hasn't seen you in a long time either? Who's that dude? Um I don't know that like we don't talk about, but I don't think Niner fans have enough respect for Tony Pollard, especially because he got hurt in the playoff game last year. So like he was out of sight, out of mind, but he is not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but damn, he's pretty close. He's very, very close. He can do a lot of the same things Christian McCaffrey can do. He's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. And to me, if the Cowboys are going to win, it's not because Dak Prescott's going to be throwing for 300 yards. It's just going to be because Tony Pollard is friggin' unstoppable. That's fair. Uh, prior to last week, Tony Pollard was actually leading the NFL in carries. Um, I know Christian McCaffrey is selfish and wanted them all. Uh, <laughs> but um, but he hasn't really had like the big, massive, blow-up, crazy game that he had every now and then last season. Um, but I think that's a fair answer. Like I, I The Cowboys just... Everyone freaked out, and I've lamented over this many times, but everyone freaked out over Mike McCarthy's I want to run the ball comment. Um, but they do want to run the ball to some degree, and, and Tony Potter has certainly shown an ability to do so. Rico Daddle's a bit of a question mark this week, so it might not be available. Cowboys don't necessarily trust Deuce Vaughn 
um, in pass protection. So it could be a big Tony Pollard day. Who's that dude on the Niners? Like the dude that we're like the non-Brandon Ayuk or Christian McCaffrey or George Kittle. Like who's the dude that we're just like not paying any attention to that could be the difference maker on the San Francisco side? Dre Greenlaw, number 57. The guy never gets enough love. He never gets the attention because Fred Warner is awesome. But Fred Warner has said on the record, whatever you think of me, think of that. Think that of Dre Greenlaw. There is no Fred Warner without Dre Greenlaw. He's a little banged up too because he's always banged up. He is fast as hell. He plays all out. When he attacks the ball carrier, he comes with bad intentions. And he might get a couple personal foul penalties because every he's on that line. But he is an absolute wrecker, and he is huge for this defense. If he were to get hurt, it would be a major, major blow for the 49ers. Mm. Uh, my last one is, and I think the answer is, like, low. Um, but how devastating would a loss be? Because, again, if the shoe were on the other foot and the other team were like, oh, we really respect this team, blah, blah, And then, like, my team lost, it, would be like, well, they really wanted it. <laughs> so, like, and they're pretty good. So, like, it happens. Like, we're four and one. Oh, crap. The sky is falling. It would hurt because it's an NFC loss and because I think it's Niners, Cowboys, Eagles competing for that first round bye, and to have a loss in the head-to-head tiebreaker is that would be horrible. But like you said, yeah, they'd be four and one. I thought there was a realistic chance they could be four and one at that point anyway in the season. So it wouldn't be devastating, but it would hurt because of the those tiebreaker implications. I just realized it would be sweet poetry for you know, your entire NFL game viewing experience to be a 100% loss record against Mike <laughs> McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys. That would be incredible. Like, would it would it not be like a great that that's pretty scripted, if you ask me. And I, yeah, there is a realistic chance that I fly 3000 miles across the country to watch the 49ers lose to the head coach that I have given zero credit for. <laughs> for his entire career that there would be some poetic justice there after Uh, he was like really respectful to the team as well like it would just be oh i mean i'm obviously rooting for this but now i'm rooting for even more is there any chance i think i know the answer to this question but is there any chance mccarthy wants to give a little fu to the niners and works up some sort of play where trey lance is in there for for any duty in any way um so no is the answer because Trey's the emergency third quarterback and he can only, as you very well know, uh, only oh, yes. enter the game <laughs> if, uh, if the top two are injured or being um, evaluated. So um, I, to your point though, if he was an active member of the 46 man game day roster, then I would feel like, okay, like Mike is out for blood here a little <laughs> bit now uh, to be clear though, Mike is not foreign to that in a, in a respectful way. Uh, last week, Brandon Cooks, he, he has weekly rotating captains. Brandon Cooks was a captain because the New England Patriots are a former team of his. Um, so he'll do kind of stuff like that, like the Jeff Fisher uh, RG3 draft hall uh, that were the, was right there were the captains right for the St. Louis Rams when, when they met Washington. So, yeah. uh, so like he's he's not he's certainly prone to stuff like that. Uh, but he's incredibly respectful. Like he's not, you know, out to um, be a jerk or be embarrassing. Uh, which I don't think he gets enough credit for either. Like he's a really charming person if you are willing to give him a chance. Um, and he's very intentional about all of this. Like he's very, very purposeful. It's very clear, uh, which is why the Cowboys are speaking with such deference for the Niners, that Mike has spent almost every day 
since losing to them in San Francisco, figuring out how to never let that happen again. I mean, he took over play calling. He has done all sorts of things. The Cowboys have made all sorts of trades. They have really kind of changed their overall team building philosophy in the last year. Um, and, and they really want this. I mean, and so I don't think Mike is that dude. He's not a run up the score guy. Uh, he just wants to get in, get the dub, get home and, uh, you know, get some respect from his buddy stats. Who do the Cowboys play next week? They play on primetime again. Uh, they Ooh. visit the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night football. And then they're on their bye after that. The Chargers who are on their bye currently, by the way. So. Regardless of how this Niners game turns out, I would be worried about that Chargers game as a letdown game. Just because, I mean, the Cowboys have literally told you this means more than just a regular season game. What I would offer in response to that is, um, you know, if you need some sort of narrative or bulletin board material, whether it's public or just within the the walls of the star, that's Dan Quinn versus Kellen Moore. Um, so so that's that's like, oh, OK, now it's time to prove why we left this dude, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it also I mean, you and I make this point all the time, like if you're like when San Francisco lost to Miami last year or when they beat Miami or whatever it was, we're always like, if you're going to lose, lose to the lose to the AFC. I mean, sorry, I got that flipped. But like if you're going to lose games, like lose, th lose those ones. So like if, if I mean, beyond the narrative of it all, if Cowboys fans could have one of the next two, it's this one. Like they, they really like you said, like not just, you know, a win, but like to have the head to head tiebreaker. That is a really massive thing. And they spent all of last season chasing the Eagles because. You know, the Eagles were so great and had just a numerical advantage over them. And, and they did what they could when they played them on Christmas Eve and beat them, obviously. But like when you are behind the eight ball on the tiebreaker, it's a very difficult thing. Unless, of course, the Seattle Mariners show up to save you as the Houston Astros. So thank you, Stats. I hadn't had a chance to thank you in person. Uh, I love you with all my heart and soul. Yeah, my Mariners helped out your Astros to win the uh, American League West. Oh, God. Which is life. upsetting for you and for a majority of our listeners at Block of the Boys because they're obviously Texas Rangers fans. So That's true. Uh, just for, for my audience here, if anybody wants more info on the Cowboys, where can they go? Um, RJ Ochoa is kind of a hub for everything I do on Twitter and Instagram and threads. Um, the joke that I make all the time is that some jerk had that on TikTok, so I had to go with RJ.Ochoa. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a cool name like Stats on Fire um, like Stats does, but... Um, yeah. that's, that's where I'm accessible. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's weird because like anytime these two teams meet, it is like, Oh, the rivalry over there. Like I said, like, this is not a rivalry right now. Like the modern version of it, this is a one way thing. Like, and it's, it's, I, if I had to put like a face on it, it's Kyle Shanahan. Like that's the, the hill that the Cowboys have to be able to get over and they can't. Um, and he's kind of the, the modern godfather of offenses in the NFL, although maybe Mike McDaniel is better than him, speaking of Miami. Uh, but uh, so. uh, um, but this, this, is, this is a big deal. Like, and at first I was really scared that the Cowboys were kind of saying that, but now I kind of love it. Like, and even if they lose, like my take on it, if they lose, will be like, look, dude, they, they did what we did. Like, they, you know what I mean? They, they, their heart was in it. Like, we, we get so mad when, like, players or whatever on professional sports teams don't care as much as we do. They care. Like, that's so cool. Like, they care as much as we do. That is one of the coolest things to happen this week. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you so much for the time. RJ, you know I miss you. You know I miss doing the show we used to do at SB Nation, the NFL show. Well, um, I say this all the time. There's no better host in general, not just Niners, not just the NFL, not just sports. I'm talking food, culture, politics, religion. Stats is the very, very best in the business. So for the blog of the boys audience, I mentioned he is on Twitter at Stats on Fire. But plug away, please, Stats, um, for, uh, for that side of things.
No, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I feel the same way about you, man. I would say good luck, but I don't mean it. Wow. See, like, again, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm hold up. You didn't do your plugs again. The block of the boys. People need your plugs. Stats That's on true. Fire. Uh, if you care about anything 49ers, I'm at Stats on Fire and all the socials uh, and the YouTube channel, of course, is the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. Please, please, please check it out. Your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, check it out and subscribe, even though it'll distort your algorithm uh, a little bit. But do this next time you go to like a Best Buy or something, go to all the computers there and just go to YouTube and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network. Like that's the way that you should do it. Uh, my last question, Stats, and then we can leave. Who wins the World Series? Give me the matchup and the winner. I got to think it's the Braves. Um, they're just so freaking good. Everybody on that team is they're like the 49ers of baseball. Where you just look at their roster and you're like, that's a great player. That's a great player. That's a great player. Um, but I think out of the American League, I do give a little bit of love to the Astros. Like, what have they been in the ALCS like six straight years or five this, out of seven? This would be seven. They're, yeah. they're, they're three wins away from seven. So that's insane. Like, that doesn't happen in baseball, especially because the sample size is so big. And I think that they're going to have a leg up on the Rays and the Rangers and the Twins who just won their first playoff game in 18 tries. Like that experience is not meaningless. So I do give Houston kind of a little bit of an advantage. Uh, well, if they meet Atlanta again, it'd be a rematch of what, uh, 21, um, the last Astros loss. Uh, wow. I can't believe you didn't pick the Astros to win. Um, how dare you? Uh, by the way, if it hasn't been said on the Gold Standard Network, congratulations on your third fantasy baseball title in four years. An actual tried and true dynasty, unlike the Niners of the 80s, but actually like the Cowboys of the 90s. <laughs> oh, that's how we're ending it, you jerk. Want to give a big time shout out, big time thank you to Stats for taking the time to join us. One of my dear friends, I love talking football with him. Uh, we talked for a little while after we stopped recording uh, about baseball. He is a Seattle Mariners fan. I am a Houston Astros fan. It made for quite an interesting weekend, of course, and he's the best fantasy baseball player around, if that isn't obvious. Um, on Twitter and everywhere else, it's Stats on Fire. Great information about the Niners. I think it's so cool um, how he's like, it's not even close between Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons. Um, <laughs> just it's It's always interesting to kind of see and hear uh what other people think about the cowboys honey we get it we understand that you want to be a part of this conversation as well i'm telling y'all she's a puppy and she's gonna get better um she wants to be like her big brother bear and be a part of the show you know she knows that bear's got some time spent on several episodes and so she's she's got a lot to catch up on it's really what it is um shout out to my wife who came and got honey um but i really don't know how to sit with myself about this game for what i mean i'm recording this on wednesday night uh for three three and a half more days um it's just i hope it's epic i hope it's something that we remember in a very positive way i mean we have you know we're coming up um this weekend i don't i don't want to end on a bad note um but i mean sorry uh we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the legendary people misuse the word infamous all the time the infamous Cowboys Broncos game the duel between Tony Romo and Peyton Manning um so you know I don't want this to be that <laughs> you know I don't want this to be this amazing game or whatever this iconic game this memory that that we have that is so prominent um that the Cowboys didn't win I would love for it to be the opposite I would love for it to be um you know we're coming up on the nine-year anniversary let me end on a positive note now uh nine-year anniversary of Dallas going to Seattle right and knocking them off uh giving them their first loss since winning the Super Bowl and kind of you know, providing that statement win for that 2014 team. And so, you know, you look back at these things and 
and they're epic memories. And I hope that this is one of those for me and for you. And I hope we look back on it for a long time and, and just kind of smile and think about the wonderful weekend that it was where the Houston Astros uh, took their first step towards repeating as World Series champions, where Texas A&M beat Alabama, um, where Oklahoma won. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I know I already upset a lot of you who are Rangers fans. So I'm not going to offer a take uh, on that series. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please give some love to Stats. Uh, please go leave a rating and write a review on his podcast. You don't have to subscribe, uh, but if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, if you have a, an extra 30 seconds, please search for the Gold Standard, Net- Gold Standard Network. Excuse me. Give it a five-star rating. Write something positive. Um, that helps them out a lot, and um, we're always in the business of helping Stats out. So uh, let's go ahead and chunk deuces. I hope you have just the most incredible weekend. I mean, whatever you're centering it around, if you are watching some or all or none of these things, I hope that you enjoy whatever you got going on in full and extreme capacity. I know that I will. Uh, Shout out to Bear. Shout out to Honey. Shout out to my wife. Uh, The only member of my household who didn't make an appearance in some shape, form, or fashion on this episode was my son because he was being a good boy and he was asleep. Uh, So uh, thank you to all of you. I love you all. Have the best day ever. You know why? Because you deserve it we will see you manana my friends as always go cowboys and peace out